0: Welcome to AM Best Audio. We're here in Monte Carlo for the Rendezvous de Septembre for AM Best TV. I'm Richard Banks, and I'm joined now by David Falandro, who is the head of analytics for Howden. David, welcome.
1: Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: So, David, you've been coming to Monte Carlo in various roles for many years. Yes. Sir. Um, so, after the last two years, yeah. what do you expect from a face-to-face Monte Carlo?
1: Ah, well, it will be. It will be very nice to see everyone, obviously, and we'll get a chance to talk together in big groups about the market. Um, all of those little nuances that we've missed during COVID will be back. So, I, in fact, just walking here, it was nice to bump into so many different people, clients, competitors, markets, and just get their views. And it does give you a more holistic view of everything that's going on in the market. And it's lucky that it does because, of course, we're right in the middle of, I think, one of the most consequential markets in the last 20 years
0: consequential markets. Tell us a little bit about that. What are the things that you've got your eye on in particular?
1: Okay. Well, obviously, um, if you go back to the post-financial crisis era, every uh, renewal really, perhaps one could make the argument between Hurricane Sandy and Hurricane Irma was a situation in which the costs of all forms of contingent capital, whether equity, you know, debt, reinsurance, retrocession, were falling and capitalization was rising, it was all rather boring. And then in the primary market, starting in 2017 and 2018, we started to see a switch driven by a whole coalescence of things. And that started to come through in the reinsurance market. Now the reinsurance market seems to be catching up. I mean, if you look at all of the things that have happened this year with inflation, the war in Ukraine, and crucially, impairments to the asset side of the balance sheet, all of that contributed to the rapid rise in rates at 1.6. And now we go into uh, the height of hurricane season with a slightly compromised balance sheet with lots of movement in terms of the different forms of capital going into 1-1 and lots of demand from uh, reinsurers to make sure that pricing is sufficient.
0: So talk about pricing sufficiency. Are are we yet in, in a hard market?
1: Uh, this is the this is the perpetual argument, actually. I have this with uh, some of the primary underwriters in Houghton. Is it a hard market or is it just a hardening market? Um, is it as hard as it was in 2005? The answer is it, it depends wholly on the line of business. So in the primary markets, if you're looking at D&O or if you're looking at some of the specialty lines, actually it's harder than it was in the early 2000s. In reinsurance, if you're looking mid-year at 1.6, say Florida risk-adjusted property CAT depending on how you adjust the denominator, we could very much be approaching a hard market similar to what we saw in terms of rate post-Katrina. Now, maybe that's only true in certain lines, but there were coverages that went unfilled. On the contrary, if you look at global property cat reinsurance and maybe casualty excess of loss, although it's certainly increased, global property cat in this cycle is lagging primary property insurance. And so it's definitely catching up. And I think most of the seasoned property cat underwriters would say we're not in a hard market yet, although it's undeniable now that it's hardening. Some of the mid-year national covers look pretty hard, but at one, we still may have some way to go.
0: So if we do get into a genuine hard market, that's going to be conditions that quite a lot of people who are working in the market now haven't seen before. What can they expect and what surprises might we see?
1: Well, we got a preview of that, obviously, at it's It's harder to fill programs and placements when capacity is is rarer uh, to come by in, in all of its different forms. But I think that what we are seeing is um, maybe if you're looking at it from that perspective, this may have happened just in the nick of time. We still have enough oldies around like me to tell uh, the young underwriters and, and brokers you know, how these conditions can affect balance sheets, pricing and placement.
0: Excellent, so one of the contributors to that, it seems to be that um, Underwriters are rebalancing their underwriting portfolios and perhaps yep. moving away from heavily modeled business That's into right, less well modeled business.
1: Well, it depends on which reinsurer. So this is a really interesting time. We're seeing different reinsurers act very differently, and I won't name names obviously, but there are some really obvious examples of reinsurers exiting certain classes. Others are coming in quite heavily in other lines. And so we're seeing this um, dispersion of activity in terms of exiting and entering lines, but there is no uh, universal dash for the doors or anything in any one line of business. It's just a rebalancing from carrier to carrier. And if um, if you're a broker, when you're trying to place a syndicated program, you have to be able to find out which, which carriers are going where in, say, DNF and retro, vis-a-vis property cat, vis-a-vis casualty excessive loss. The, the primary riders, or I should say the predominant riders of those classes of business today are quite different from what they may have been five years ago.
0: So all this shakeup in the, in the underwriting business obviously will have an impact from an investor's perspective. They'll be looking in and, and wondering you know, what's going on, what are the opportunities?
1: That's hugely important. And um, when you talk about an investor's perspective, there are a couple of different facets that you can look at. If you're thinking about you know, public market investors investing in insurance companies or even private equity markets investing in uh, balance sheets or in MGAs, That's right. Appetite has shifted in private equity over the last three years from balance sheets to MGAs. In terms of valuation and where do publicly traded insurers stand right now vis-a-vis the rest of the cycle, I mean, one could make an argument that it's better to invest in a lower valuation with higher pricing and cleaner back books than the alternative, but sometimes the public markets act in, in just the opposite way. The other thing to think about carefully in terms of investors is how do they see the different forms of capital? And so, Again, after, say, Hurricane Sandy or maybe after the great financial crisis, we had $90 billion, roughly, maybe a little bit less than that, inflow of third-party capital into the sector, ILS, uh, cat bonds, private deals. That flowed in very reliably every year all the way up until, again, about 2017 or 2018. Contrary to some of the naysayers, the um, private capital or the alternative capital did not cut and run but we don't see that, you know, Excess of 10 to $20 billion of replenishment every year that we saw in, say, the mid-teens. So the capital is there, but how attractive is it for investors vis-a-vis other forms of fixed income securities? The picture is just different when you have a you know, a 10-year with a three-handle than it is when you have a negative 10-year. So that's an interesting uh, development to watch as well. How much will the ILS market come to the table at 1-1, given the broader macro-investment environment?
0: So you mentioned MGAs there obviously yeah. an important and in, you know, increasingly important part of the market what's, yes. what's the the role that, that they have and how important is it for insurers to manage those relationships with their MGA partners.
1: Well, as you may know, we and we and Howden are very big on MGAs. We have the world's largest international MGA dual, and we think that a lot of innovation happens in MGAs, and it can be extremely beneficial to capacity providers in finding new business, and it can be beneficial to customers in in finding coverage. So um, that asset light model is also very attractive right now to investors and it's an anti-cyclical model. If you look at insurance pricing in the current context, if you're an investor and you're looking at lower valuations in, you know, fang stocks and you're trying to figure out where to put your money, or do I just put it in treasuries? Should I put it in commodities given everything that's going on in the world? Well, insurance is anti-cyclical. Inflation actually benefits the top line of insurance carriers because that's premium. And if you're an MGA, I mean, really you're a top line organization in a lot of ways, aren't you? You don't have a balance sheet to worry about in the same way that a primary carrier does, so it can be a very attractive counter cyclical investment um, in uncertain times.
0: And important to build relationships with with carriers. Uh,
1: oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, capacity is the number one, um, well, I suppose, uh, priority functional priority for an MGA, making sure that there's always capacity there uh, to support the business. Sure,
0: David. Thank you very My much. My pleasure. Indeed. Thank you. For AM Best TV, I'm Richard Banks. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry?
1: We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day.